Good evening. Welcome to Employment Law Today. I'm your host, Eric Sauber. I'm an employment law and business law attorney, and I host this live weekly talk radio show and this live weekly video broadcast every Tuesday night from 5 p.m. to 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time right here on Talk Radio NYC, where I have guests who discuss some of the most novel, interesting, and compelling issues that employers and business owners are facing during these trying times. And in that regard, in the spirit of my show, uh, our goal and our purpose, I'm very pleased tonight to introduce and to welcome our guest, Dr. Rita Kakadi Shah. Uh, Rita, welcome to the show. It's great to have you. And you're on mute, by the way. I just wanted to let you know. Oh. Lovely to be here, Eric. Thank you for having me. My pleasure. My pleasure. Really glad that you can make it to the show tonight. Quite an impressive background, which I'm going to share with our audience in just a moment. First, I want to give our audience tonight, our listeners, um, a sense of what our topic is. And our topic really, I think, is an important one that really affects uh, business owners, employers, and employees alike. And that is empowering women in the workforce. And Rita and I were talking about this before the show, the fact that too many smart, talented women who left the workforce to raise children are unable to find jobs that match their credentials and livestock commitments when they try to return. Not enough is being done to re retain and retrain or re-engage this fundamental talent pool. Companies that once hired and trained these incredible women now suffer from an intense loss of headcount and a huge drain of hiring and training resources as well. So on tonight's episode, join me and my guest, Dr. Rita Kakadi Shah, CEO and founder of UMA, to discuss how we can challenge the status quo, break the mold, and work with like-minded employers to create opportunities that match the credentials and lifestyle goals of these powerful women. So learn why applying DEI and strategic initiatives can benefit both the female workforce and the companies who employ them. And with that topic in mind, um, I can't think of a better, more qualified guest tonight than our guest this evening, as I mentioned, folks, Dr. Rita Kakadi Shah, who helms UMA, an international platform empowering confidence, success, and resilience in women and minorities. Now, Rita started her career in finance at Goldman Sachs International, and after a decade at the firm, she went on to lead global business development in the pharmaceutical industry. Rita is a distinguished alumna of King's College London, serving also on the advisory council of King's Business School, and was also awarded a Doctorate of Humanities, HC, from Commonwealth University. <clears throat> she is an advisor and mentor to many organizations, policy forums, and academic institutions around the world, and a sought-after international speaker. We're glad you can be with us as well tonight. And thought leader on topics such as gender equality, diversity and inclusion, and youth and women empowerment. Now, Rita has won multiple awards and recognitions, most recently as an honoree of the President's Lifetime Achievement Award from U.S. President Joe Biden and Mahatma Gandhi Samam Award presented at the Houses of Parliament in London. Dr. Kapata Shah is also the best-selling author of The Goddess of Go-Getting, Your Guide to Confidence, Leadership, and Workplace Success, and has co-authored books on women in business, the UN's SDG5, Diversity and Inclusion. Wow, so that's quite an impressive background. You certainly must be pretty engaged and busy, I imagine, um, with that kind of uh, pedigree. No, thank you for that um, really, really kind introduction um, sure. and that summary there. Yeah, no, I, I really um, came to do what I do. It's almost like serendipitous moments, Eric, I like to say, that everything that's happened in life is for a reason. And it started mm. off, you know, with my background and just one thing led to another and sort of here I am. Yeah. <laughs> well, that kind of is a nice segue we did to my very first question, um, which is uh, to tell us a bit more about yourself, mainly like how did your career initially start out, and then what prompted you to become an advocate for female empowerment and inclusion and, and to found the company UMA? Um, that's a great question. Um, so really, if I go back to my background that you mentioned, I was in finance um, for 10 years. Um, and certainly when I started, I was on the trading floor um, of um, the equities trading floor doing pan-European sales trading. Mm. So, um, and at the time, I was one of very, very few women on the, the floor totally and certainly the only woman on my team at, at the time. So um, I guess I fell into what we now call 
DEI, diversity to equity and inclusion, just by virtue of being who I was. You know, it wasn't a thing back then. This was in the early 2000s. There no. was no actual official term that we use right now. Um, but I just found that, you know, um, to sort of, I was always a very social um, person. I love getting people together. I'm always very much into like, you know, learning, meeting people, trying to build my, you know, my presence within the firm, but also help others too. And I, you know, they're just natural questions. Like I knew that there were other women uh, at the firm. I trained with them on the training program. We, I was in the London office, but we came to New York for the training program. But then on the floor, like, where are these amazing women and how can we network more and find out what we're doing and sort of, you know, rotate like you did when you were first interning, training yeah. for the job that sort of stopped when you joined full time. So just asking those natural questions of how do we reconnect this incredible talent pool is how I really fell into that space, getting people together, helping people feel valued. What I've always said about, I, I you know, the whole meaning of what DEI is all about, is really that sense of belonging. How do you feel connected? How do you feel that sense of value? How do you feel like you belong? Um, and that's really what it's all about in with the different yeah. facets and the, and the different sort of nuances of DEI. So that's sort of how I initially, I guess, fell into it. How I started UMA, fast forward a few years and, and I was in the pharmaceutical industry in business development. Mm -hmm. and I love, um, I've always loved to travel, Eric. Um, and those travels took me here, there and everywhere, meeting key opinion leaders, thought leaders in, um, across psychiatry and neurology and mm -hmm. that's how I ended up in New York and um, settled down got married um, now have two two children they're now seven and nine but when I initially I was pregnant for my um, son and mm -hmm. I had just a conversation with my at the time boss about you know I didn't want to necessarily take time off or anything like that I just didn't know what I wanted I was a to-be mom you know I was yeah, just yeah. a corporate person mm -hmm. and we had the conversation about you know what's the plan what do we do there was none, you know, um, he said, well, you know, you could take six weeks off, um, unpaid, of course, and you have to file a disability claim to do that. So it felt like a bit of a slap in the slap in the cheek, really, um, hearing that. But that's really what led me to think, OK, well, what does this actually mean? And compare the US where I was to the UK, where I came from, where you can actually get up to a year off paid leave and then come back and sort of rejoin where you left off. Um, so it's because of that, I actually left that job, mm -hmm. raised my children for three and a half, four years. During that time, realized that, wow, this is by far the toughest career I've ever held, full stop. The, the mm -hmm. full stop job of motherhood taught me so much. But so much of what it taught me was particularly that there were certain skills that are really imperative to the paid salaried workforce that I didn't learn in the paid salaried workforce, things like communication, mm -hmm. negotiation. Um, you become such a um, hot hitter of these when you're actually a parent, a full-time parent. Oh, yes. Um, mm -hmm. This is really what led me to um, really help Uma that planted the seeds of what am I going to do to kind of empower this new talent pool? I was part of that talent pool there and then living this every single day, thinking what, what is this disconnect between me now having an incredibly enhanced skill set Mm -hmm. and the workforce not necessarily recognizing that so mm -hmm. that's really how i um started uma wow it's, it's interesting rita you know um i find that, well that's, first of all thank you for sharing all that with us you know tonight it really gives some context and some and some uh some i guess background to what you do and why you do it you know i find that a lot of people when i ask that question like tell us more about yourself what motivated you prompted you to found your own you know fill in the blank firm company what have you um it's often either something they saw through family growing up or it's a personal experience they had that shaped them and i definitely hear a lot of that personal experience you know you talked about like being in finance recognizing that there are other women other uh female employees other people who are uh, women and minorities or both and then, of course, how do you get them to connect and come to the table and be recognized and included and, and acknowledged? And then, of course, you know, uh, so I, I can see how your personal experience sounds like really informed this interest. But then you combine, you know, being a mom, an expectant mom, and being told about the, unfortunately, at times very, you know, the dearth of um, good paid family leave. And I know this is an employment law attorney, you know, that different states have different laws. Some states like Florida don't require any kind of leave to be given, you know, from maternity leave or expected mothers or when they deliver. Other states have paid leave, but it's very short-lived or 12 weeks unpaid. So um, I can see how, you know, like you 20 years ago, or maybe not 20, but eight and 10 years ago, if you're 
age your children, um, would run into some issues there. And to think, you know, this is something like very telling about the workforce and how we value or don't value women, right? Because it's usually the women that are taking this time off. Men aren't taking time off to give birth, right? Like I'm a father of a three-year-old son, but my wife clearly did the heavy lifting in the regard to carrying and delivering, you know, giving birth to our wonderful son. Um, anyway, but I hear you on that. And then just, you know, what you kind of were saying about like the skills that women have being a mom, being a parent. And I want to come back to that in a later question, because I think it's an interesting issue that a lot of employers, I think, they don't look at, you know, these skills that uh, stay-at-home parents who go out to the workforce have. You know, you might not be working on spreadsheets with your kids. Maybe you are after tutoring them, but maybe not working on certain, but you're certainly working on uh, multitasking, negotiation, patience, um, all those things. So thank you for sharing that with us. You know, really good to have your background. <clears throat> so you're welcome. I joke, actually, Eric, you mentioned, obviously, you have uh, a three-year-old that, um, you know, if you can negotiate with a toddler, there's no one on this planet you can't take on. So take that conviction <laughs> to the next boardroom meeting or interview. So I, I said a lot to my, uh, you know, the women and minorities that I serve. So. Absolutely. And, you know, I'll say that, like, on that point i want to keep focused on you but i can't resist saying that um i i'm pretty good negotiating that's what i do with you know plaintiff's counsel and, and litigation employment defense or um negotiating with you know different clients but uh, mediation when it comes to my three-year-old especially when he was two at that really um toddler like razor focus on what he wants age and even now at three uh he wins every time you know i i can't i can't <laughs> negotiate i just um you know he just wears you down in a wonderful <laughs> loving way until so, okay nathan you know so very good point um and we actually we've been on our up to our first commercial break in about a minute i'm about to take it now so we don't get in the middle of a new topic and have to break so i'll just um when we come back though i'll be asking um rita dr kakari shah about some unique challenges that women face when re-entering the workplace and how companies may have stepped up their recent hiring and have some have not so stick around you're listening to Employment Law today and watching the show as well. I'm your host, Eric Sauber. Our guest tonight, Dr. Rita Kakati Shah, founder of UMA on Talk Radio NYC. We'll be right back. Are you a business owner? Do you want to be a business owner? Do you work with business owners? Hi, I'm Stephen Fry, your small and medium-sized business or SMB guy. And I'm the host of the new show, Always Friday. While I love to have fun on my show, we take those Friday feelings of freedom and clarity to discuss popular topics on the minds of SMBs today. Please join me and my various special guests on Friday at 11 a.m. on talkradio.nyc. Are you a conscious co-creator? Are you on a quest to raise your vibration and your consciousness? I'm Sam Leibowitz, your Conscious Consultant, and on my show, The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, we will touch upon all these topics and more. Listen live at our new time on Thursdays at 12 noon Eastern Time. That's The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, Thursdays, 12 noon on talkradio.nyc. Are you on edge? Hey, we live in challenging, edgy times, so let's lean in. I'm Sandra Bargeman, the host of The Edge of Every Day, which airs each Monday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time on talkradio.nyc. Tune in live with me and my friends and colleagues as we share stories and perspectives about pushing boundaries and exploring our rough edges. That's The Edge of Every Day on Mondays at 7 p.m. Eastern Time on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC. Uplift, educate, empower. back to Employment Law today. I'm your host, Eric Sauber. Our guest tonight on Talk Radio NYC is Dr. Rita Kakadi Shah, CEO and founder of UMA, and um, diversity and inclusion expert and author and uh, really just 
multi-talented, multifaceted guest with us tonight. So Narita, again, really great to have you on the show. I'm glad you're here tonight with us. Thanks for having me again, Eric. It's been a great show so far. Sure, and we'll keep getting better. Um, so, um, you know, getting into the meat of our topic about empowering women in the workforce, my question is, what are some unique challenges that women face when re-entering the workplace after raising children? And then the second part of that question is, what detrimental impact do these challenges or obstacles present for both the employer and the employee? Yes, yeah, so a couple of things there. It's a great question. And, you know, um, it's not one size fits all. Everybody has their own unique experience. But generally what we've seen that one of the first things is confidence. When you have been away from any situation, and this is why at UMA, we don't just say we serve women, we serve women and minorities, because generally anybody from a minority background has felt some level of sort of self-doubt or losing confidence at some point, depending on the situation they're in. So part of that is sort of, you know, where you have lost that confidence because you have to build yourself back up again. And then, hey, if the company made it easier, then it would be a bit of a cyclical kind of um, process, but it's not always the case. Mm -hmm. So confidence is one thing where, you know, you just have to believe in yourself. So what we do at UMA is we really, really try to focus on that inner belief, that strength, building up the skills and tools, which you already have. We're not actually doing anything that you don't already have. It's just sort of rekindling those sort of memories, those spirits, that passion, that fire, to really bring out your best so that when you go to the next job interview or that meeting or that coffee with somebody you're just sort of exploring in terms of the next world, you are really out there and giving your best. Mm -hmm. So that's the first thing. The second thing I think is that, um, you know, notice where a lot of people when they've taken that time off, um, and this happens with, you know, stay-at-home dads as well. It's not just um, a community yeah. to women, but more so women as well, is that you have that natural bond with your children. And actually when you go back, first to work, you're going from literally being with your kids full time to then a full time job, you naturally miss you, there is no balance in between. So one thing I like to tell companies is that if it's a full time role that you are um, and that the employees actually agree to go back to, then make sure there is some sort of a general sort of ramping up process to gradually get them back used to the hours and also that balance trial things out at home, trial things out here so that you can actually get back into it. Because what you don't want is a situation where everybody, both parties sort of sort of looking over their shoulder or checking phones or checking this because there's that level that isn't quite there. So you want to, with anything, when you, um, any new thing that you do in the workforce, you phase it in, it's the same thing. Phase mm -hmm. this in as well. So then that's one point. The other part is a lot of um, folks, a lot of parents, when they do want to go back, they don't want their previous job again that's something they've been there done that they now want to find more of a balanced lifestyle and quite often they intentionally pick more fluid hours more flexibility some sort of a hybrid work environment as well so here's the thing some companies have got with the program and covid mm -hmm. actually helped with that when everybody was forced to work from home yeah. um, other companies haven't um, and those that mm -hmm. haven't have also seen that you they are losing more of this talent pool there were suddenly folks coming in now they're not. So mm -hmm. it's a little bit of a situation where it's, um, you know, um, follow the hints out there and see what's going on. But there's a lot out there that companies could be doing to better um, compromise and, and form a relationship with the employee coming back. Hmm. Yeah, it's interesting, Reed. I mean, what I hear you saying about some of the new challenges women face um, coming back to the workforce, I hear, I definitely, and you mentioned, to your point, minorities, People in minority class, well, not, not just women, but also um, anyone that's, you know, say not that's been historically overlooked or not brought to the table. I hear the confidence challenge, right? The, perhaps the crisis of confidence, the loss of confidence. I imagine that must manifest as, you know, like I've been out of the workforce for a long time. Can I still do this? Do I know what I'm doing? Um, or do my, does my employer believe in me? Um, so I hear that challenge. And of course, you mentioned other obstacles, including, you know, that the missing of one's children as a mother and arguably as they don't dad too, but keeping the focus on women. And um, as a topic tonight, a mom who's home with their child or children or kids and then goes back to work full time. I hear you saying there's a challenge there. So it needs to be uh, sort of ramped up right gradually. It needs to have some kind of a uh, stepping into the role and also just the idea of, you know, building up confidence. Um, so I hear that challenge women face, and I, I also heard in your answer a little bit about the detrimental impact that these obstacles can have for the employer as well, which has to do with 
you know, loss of its talent pool. They're not accommodating and flexible. And I think we're seeing that a lot, you know, post-pandemic with the great resignation, with quiet quitting, with the great reshuffle, you know, whatever you want to call it, where um, people who are not getting their life balance, you know, their work-life balance needs met by their employers are phoning it in or looking elsewhere. So good to hear that from you, you know, to hear that your perspective on that. Yeah, no, absolutely. So a lot of it is just, you know, a matter of trying to kind of sit down and figure it out. Because, I mean, if you look at look at the pandemic that we just come through and the McKinsey um, study quoted quite a lot where it kind of showed that one in four women, um, men as well, but more so women, were leaving the workforce while working from home. So actually you put the, you know, foot on the other shoe and think what, what's actually kind of going on here. Um, and the reason for that is actually the breakdown of responsibilities and the imbalance, not just, you know, we look at the workplace a lot, but also there's work, there's imbalances going on at home as well. So it's not just a matter of saying that, okay, great, we're going to make everyone hybrid again or have more flexibility and everything is all well. That's not the case. It's it's a situation where there is a compromise, not just in the workplace, but there has to be some sort of a um, balance at home as well. Communication is at the center of all of this, you know, you've got to communicate not just with your boss, but communicate with your partner and whoever is your support network and family at home, because mm -hmm. this is all part of it. You know, how you communicate that, how do you get um, tasks done? Are you splitting them up equally? Are you trying to take it on board yourself? Are you mm. too much of a perfectionist at home? A lot of my you know, clients, women say this, that, you know what, actually we are, you know, um, there's something I like to bring up actually, Eric, because in the workforce, you know, mm -hmm. um, women, bring up the term a lot of one of the reasons they lose that confidence is when they go to a board meeting or they go to a team meeting, they talk about their idea and they use mm. the term mansplaining a lot, mm. right? So we just get mansplained to, so we just give up after a while. Um, and for those that don't know, it's where somebody's given a thought, um, typically a male comes along, paraphrases it, and then seems to take credit for that idea. Mm -hmm. So I was actually chatting to some men the other day at sort of uh, at a party about a similar concept. And just about sort of doing household activities. And they said, well, we don't want to be women's blame to. And I was like, that's interesting you said that. Mm. What do you mean by that? And I said, well, mm. you know, um, it's a little bit of the, the reverse in mm. the sense that, you know, we also have to, similarly in the workplace, how everybody mm. has to, no matter what their background, think, okay, we have a new folks coming in into the workforce. We've got to sort of balance this out and let everyone do it in their own style. Similarly home, wherever your workplace is, you've also got to share a little bit more as well without sort of, you know, let, let things go as well. So I talk about a lot of having balance. Mm -hmm. um, it's, and I, and the reason I talk about gender equality is because it's not one gender over another. It's right. everybody needs to work together for this to happen. Men, women, um, however you, um, you, you, you identify, you know, workplace and home and society, everything needs to work together. This is a communication by all segments of society here. Mm. Yes, absolutely. I mean, I think that's really good. Those are, those are some good points. I mean, sorry, Rita from Uma. Um, some great points. You know, one about the work-life home balance at this transition for women coming back to the workforce and for companies, you know, bringing them back. There needs to be that balance in how they talk to their families, their support group, their support network, rather, right, their home and their work, um, that it's more that's more than just a simple fix of, you know, your hybrid twice a week, you come in three days a week or something like that, or vice versa. Um, but also the, the idea of gender equality and gender equity, right, because I've heard the difference between, you know, equity and equality. Sometimes equality, people think, well, okay, this policy is exactly equal for um, let's say this white man and black woman, you know, and, this, and but that might not be equitable if the policy has a disparate impact on, let's say, women. So if you're in a field, let's say, that traditionally hired men and they go by seniority in uh, in raises, they say, listen, you know, this is very equal. You know, you both had, you know, how many years you have working, that's what you get in terms of your raise. But if the company historically didn't promote or hire women, then it's not equity, right? So sometimes equity involves a difference between like having the identical equal terms. Um, but your point also is about, you know, like the, the fact that um, there needs to be like a, a recognition in the workforce um, of the need for, you know, equality and for uh, a place at the table for women. I think it's very important that you kind of bring that up, you know? 
Yeah, yeah, and you know, to your point, actually, Eric, when you talk about you know pay rise and things and equity versus equality, yeah. um, this is something that comes up a lot. Like, how do you ask for those pay rises? What do you do in that sort of situation? You know, um, if you are having been equality, you say, well, everybody can go to their next um, three sixty degree review meeting and they can ask. We've been mm -hmm. equal. We're letting everyone do that. Do you have any other questions? What would you like to do? Are you happy with this? You know, that's been kind of equal in that sense. But mm -hmm. what research shows is that women are less likely to do that. Mm -hmm. Our personalities are more refrained. We have more of a kind of, you know, we, we don't ask for, for money for that as often. We kind of feel we don't, we're kind of grateful for where we are and we kind of feel mm -hmm. like we don't want to fringe upon somebody else. So it's something mm -hmm. not as easily done. The equity piece there would say, okay, well, give us, I guess, give women more of an opportunity to make them more feel comfortable about asking, phrase it differently, mm -hmm. ask about, okay, these are the bands that, we are thinking of this this year this like what would you be thinking of or are you have you given some thought or at mm. your next meeting coming up this is something we would like you to talk about have another think about it you know and that yeah. could be something to work on with them so that's where the equity piece to, uh, step, steps in as well so it's almost like the outcome at the end mm. is the same but you might have different levels of um facilitation to get there right right it's an interesting point Rita and you know to your point also you mentioned how like this is not a case of putting one gender above the other, whether it's women above men or men above women. I think it's an important point too. I think that a lot of times, you know, I see this with my clients with companies where I'm going through the employment labor laws, what's required, and different compliance issues. And um, you know, I'll encourage them to have like uh, the training on diversity and inclusion. And some really believe that DEI initiatives mean that the, something's being taken away from the employer and given to the employees like at the employer's expense right or being taken away from you know, the male employee and given to the female at the male employee's expense but in fact it's not the type of situation this is not you know like a situation where there's two sides of the pizza and you're giving them both to some person it's it's, it's more that when one um, benefits from dei when the employee benefits the employer benefits as well the employer gets the benefit of that person's, you know, extra morale and they're sticking around and they're full, you know, work the full capacity. So I think it's important. I think a lot of times, you know, when companies kind of bristle with the idea of, oh, we're being asked to do this diversity and inclusion, you know, initiative, you know, there goes our fill in the blank, you know, profit, whatever. And in fact, you know, I think it can be, it's a win-win. And I think that's something that, you know, part of what we're trying to talk about today in our show. Mm, yes. So I'd love to discuss that more, actually, because that is something that is 100% you've hit the nail on the head there, where a lot of people, it is more, it can be divisive if it's not communicated properly. To your yeah, point absolutely. You know, uh, Reed, absolutely. So we are at our next commercial break just about now. Um, so I think it's a nice breaking point. We can come back and uh, on, when the next half of the show, I'll be asking Rita about some proactive steps that companies can take to provide opportunities to women and working moms in terms of promotions, new jobs. We'll talk more about hiring criteria being reevaluated. And lastly, about Rita's company, Uma. So folks, you're listening to and watching Employment Law Today on Talk Radio NYC. I'm still your host, Eric Sovereign, Employment Law Business Law Attorney here in New York City. Our guest tonight, Dr. Rita Kakadi Shah, a founder of Uma. Stick around. We'll be right back. Passionate about the conversation around racism? Hi, I'm Reverend Dr. TLC, host of the Dismantle Racism Show, which airs every Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern on talkradio.nyc. Join me and my amazing guests as we discuss ways to uncover, dismantle, and eradicate racism. That's Thursdays at 11 o'clock a.m. on talkradio.nyc. Are you a small business trying to navigate the COVID-19 related employment laws? Hello, I'm Eric Sauver, employment law business law attorney and host of the new radio show, Employment Law Today. On my show, we'll have guests to discuss the common employment law challenges business owners are facing during these trying times. Tune in on Tuesday evenings from 5 p.m. to 6 p.m. Eastern time on talkradio.nyc. Hey everybody, it's Tommy D, the nonprofit sector connector coming at you from my attic. Each week here on talkradio.nyc, I host a program, Philanthropy and Focus. 
Nonprofits impact us each and every day, and it's my focus to help them amplify their message and tell their story. Listen each week at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time until 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time right here on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC at www.talkradio.nyc. Now broadcasting 24 hours a day. Welcome back to Employment Law Today. I'm your host, Eric Sauber. Our guest tonight, Dr. Rita Kakadi Shah, founder of UMA, Diversity and Inclusion DEI Specialist, um, author, speaker, and guest on our show tonight. So we're talking about empowering women in the workforce, and, uh, and UMA, which is Rita's company and, and what they do. And, you know, Rita, I think we have some great points we've covered so far. And I want to ask you a little bit more about companies like what you've seen in terms of like which companies do you think have recently stepped up in their hiring and training initiatives towards uh hiring working mothers or women re-entering the workforce and have you seen any companies that have dropped the ball in this regard you know it's a great question um i think a great example would be actually going back from you know the post-pandemic you know during the pandemic where companies everyone started working from home or you know close the doors depending on where they were. And then those that went hybrid, stayed hybrid, um, those that sort of um, deemed folks come back full time or no time, which is what, what uh, folks are using these days is an expression. Um, and you, you can do it by industry. So there are certain industries that, you know, felt that it's much better to be in the office because of the way it's done. Mm-hmm. Finance, the, the my first career after I graduated from university is one example where most cases they're actually asking folks that are on some sort of a trading system to come back in to, mm-hmm. their, to meet their colleagues. And then similarly, you're getting the same all like that happened before you're getting if you look at the statistics it's fewer much fewer women than men you know going back in those cases um but then there's different areas within finance if you look on balance you could argue in different areas so in a way with anything statistical you can always sort of you know go one way one way or the other so i think it depends on the area it is um similarly with um certain areas um such as academia for example there's actually quite a good hybrid structure Right now, I do work quite closely um, in academia as well, um, and I see a lot um, where there is, you are either sort of in person, but you can also work remotely or hybrid as well, and both are very welcomed. Um, And people are just having to be more innovative in how they work, how they conduct meetings, team meetings, short ones, small ones, versus bigger town hall type meetings, and how they do it efficiently and keeping people sort of engaged um via an online mechanism and i think that's been mostly it really if you had literally that silver bullet for how you're going to be able to keep everyone engaged from a remote setting there would be actually less of an an issue for wanting to you know why people should actually physically have to be in the office it's about level of engagement is it you know productivity ultimately from a business perspective what is that level of productivity are they getting the profits they want and if they think they're getting it from both mechanisms, they're less likely to change. If they think they're not, such as trading, for example, then they're more likely to say, okay, we need to get you back because we've seen a big stark difference in productivity here. And that's ultimately what businesses are doing. So I think um, it really depends on the industry. And then within that, the level of flexibility. After the pandemic, companies are more likely to um, see, I would say, the, the benefits of you know allowing this hybrid modality and it's not just women men and women are like you know what why am i going to commute for two hours on a train Mm -hmm. where actually i can get a lot more done here i can just log in that bit early because i'm not sitting on a train or whatever it is so they're Mm -hmm. actually pushing back too similarly in newer generations that are coming in they say no as well we have Mm -hmm. a big movement now towards you know mental health wellness and sort of saying no to these demands that i came through i came through that you know in the 2000s where hours were long Mm-hmm. And that was also long in different ways, but there's a lot more balance now. And I think yeah. as incoming employers are starting to push back as well, that is also shifting the needle of how internally employers are dealing with this as well. It's interesting, Rita, because you know what you're saying, and you just made the point as well that I was thinking when you said it, 
um, the you talk of you know the hybrid initiative and and work life balance and reducing the commute and shorter meetings that definitely can impact as you mentioned not just working moms and women returning to the workforce which is one demographic but also men also young people um, also you know men that have children excuse me women that have children um, people that are single whoever the case may be. Um, I think that we're definitely seeing this push towards, you know, work-life balance and also towards productivity in whatever way it can be accomplished. Um, and I think you're right that, you know, there needs to be, I think I think that actually has an impact on working moms because if you're home, you can do more with your children and maybe have a home office set up. But I also think it's, a, it's very much an interesting question. I know personally, I have clients that ask me about, you know, the fully remote versus fully hybrid versus fully in the office. Um, I'm kind of a middle of the road kind of, you know, I try to avoid extremes when I can. And I personally, I, I tend to enjoy hybrid. I need to anyway, because I need to go to court, need to see certain clients in person. You know, there's, we're back in that zone again. But even if I didn't have to, I think some folks might work better a little bit in the office. You know, they get like a little break from home. They're not constantly, you know, in their own like living room or home office. And they see the coworkers as some connection, some collaboration, you know, some community being formed, you know, new workers can connect. But I definitely, you know, I mean, to your point, though, I think the the rigid, you know, must be in the office five days a week that I see a few companies sticking to, it seems as if it's almost standing on ceremony, right? Because with the advent of technology and with the, um, the flexibility of, you know, people are starting to recognize and expect more things to happen via Zoom, you know, WebEx, Microsoft, Google Teams, what have you. I think that, you know, there's there's definitely a lot of room for companies to have hybrids in most situations. Obviously, if you're a restaurant employing your chefs and waiters, there's not much of a room for hybrid. But, you know, but the bookkeeper can certainly come in three days a week. So so it's interesting. I hear your point about, you know, how a general balance uh, for the workplace has a great impact on working moms and companies that can do that, you know, can impact them in a positive way. Oh, absolutely. And you're right, you know, it depends on like, you know, the industry and as well, like even musicians and taking music lessons, you know, mm -hmm. they also switch to hybrid too and now, or um, remote and now back to hybrid again. Um, yeah. But also there was so much though that companies could be doing more as well. So I, mm -hmm. I say two things. Sure. So if you are the employee, mm -hmm. and you are now at the position sort of at that crossroads of, oh, which company do I go to? Have a look at the sort of what environment they have. Mm. If you know you're the sort of person that prefers a certain lifestyle, like you just mentioned, Eric, that you actually like hyperlinks because that sort of it suits what your schedule is like anyway. Mm. For me as well, you know, I travel a lot, so I'd like to balance it now with working from home when I'm not traveling so much because it's sort mm -hmm. of balance myself, but I also go where my clients need as well. So it really, really depends on that. Sure, so but it depends on the individual. So because of I know this lifestyle, I'm less likely to go and find a client that will only literally want me to just sort of work with them only in a certain area and that's it forevermore because I know my personality what I like what I, the impact I can make as well um yes. so similarly I tell people all the time that as you are looking for opportunities look for opportunities that suit who you are don't try mm. to fit yourself in someone else's box there are options out there it sometimes takes time to go and search and do that but that's the exciting part this is the time you can actually search you look for that match when you interview don't just let people ask you questions you ask questions back too it's a mm -hmm. process it is absolutely a conversation and similar with companies as well there is a lot more they could be doing with mm -hmm. employees as well so for example if you are in the office and yeah. for example there is a mother coming back or somebody's coming back from some sort of leave or coming back from military service or whatever that background is um, and their boss, um, and this is actually a real life situation where I actually had a manager, one of my mm -hmm. clients um, come to me and said, look, Rita, I need, I need your help. I need Uma's help here because, you know, I did everything I could. This person was returning to the workforce. She'd been away for a little while. I did everything I could. I let her leave at like 3.30 every day or three o'clock every day so she could go pick up her kids. Mm -hmm. And I had two people leave. What's going on? Mm -hmm. So um, one thing, um, and, I, and I talk about this in my book, I talk about yeah. the, the decency quotient. So one thing that mm. companies can do more, leaders can do more, is exercise that decency quotient. The DQ, I like to say, is the genuine desire to do right by others. Mm. So in this case, where that manager helped one employee, right? Yeah. how does the other employees feel? They feel like, well, why is this person getting special treatment? We're here in day in, day out. Why does that person get to leave early? 
So when I spoke to the managers about, let's find out what is it that these folks do? Do they have hobbies? Do they have things going on? If they don't have a hobby, maybe they should go find one, you know, yeah, right, right. How do you encourage that? This company, this team is really trying to encourage some sort of a life outside work. They're really into that. So I said, practice what you preach, find out what they're doing. And it might yeah. not be every day or whatever, but maybe once a week or once every two weeks, they take turns. Like mm -hmm. this person there plays tennis, let mm -hmm. them go on a Wednesday to go and play tennis or whatever it is. So right. what else has some other hobby? If you do that, it shows you are genuinely thinking about others. They're less likely going to have an issue with the other person and mm. communicate it, talk about it. Because then otherwise that, the mom, the woman that came back, she did not like that either. She was on the verge of leaving too. Right. So it made her feel like she was called out, single. She was embarrassed. Mm -hmm. That was not the intention, but that's how she felt. She was like, I want to come back and get straight in there. I just need to leave early a couple of times a week. That's it. Right. But she was called out feeling that she felt inadequate. So all of the stereotypes about, oh, there goes another mom not doing the work was totally because of this manager mm -hmm. misguiding or miscommunicating his means. So it's just things like that. Um, I say if you exercise that decency quotient and really break it down in thinking about the whole team and what you can do better, things can get a lot better in terms of holistically the whole team working alongside each other well. I love that. I love that phrase. Well, thank you for that, Rita. I love that phrase that you shared with us tonight. Decency quotient, you know, and what that represents. And also the genuine idea of wanting to genuinely do good for your employees and for your coworkers. And, you know, you're right. I think often companies will say, okay, we're going to be progressive. We'll be, you know, enlightened, right? We're going to give this person, this working mom, right? You know, some kind of an extra special day off, whatnot, or early leave time. But, you know, if they're, if they're being single now, right, to leave, let's say, at 3 o'clock, 3.30, when everyone else is staying until 6, um, if they're, let's say, hybrid or in person, or even on Zoom, right, it could lead to resentment and animosity and, you know, jealousy of, uh, among the coworkers. So, but then rather than saying, okay, we're going to take those rights away from the woman, instead you say we're going to give that extra something to the other employees too. And yeah. so even, if, you know, if, you know, Bob doesn't have children, but, you know, Bob loves, like, say, I mentioned, you know, like playing tennis and he can play on a nice day. And, well, OK, what, why not? You know, so Wednesdays, you know, when, you know, Sarah goes to get her, her two kids, you know, and Thursdays, Bob leaves at four, you know, to play you know tennis. So um, I think that more companies are seeing this. But that's a great, like, really a great observation, you know, an excellent idea to think, you know, like, give it to give the extra to everyone so that it doesn't foster resentment in the workplace and then those stereotypes of oh you know the working moms you know like look what happens when they get into and meanwhile the working mom by the way you know I, I dare say from you know what I've seen my you know wife's full-time work and mother and I'm full-time work and dad um you know that that time off they get the kid is not you know an easy downtime break right it's not like you know coasting it's not you know oh, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's not going to the uh to the salon you know or the massage or acupuncture or whatever um you know whatever's relaxing to people so i think it's really you know it's a great excellent point there you know um and i think that you know um just companies need to hear this and if you're listening tonight you know think about what can you do for your workers you know this push towards giving more and having more work-life balance the belief that that pays off in the long run I think more companies are seeing that. I think when I, you know, I came up um, in law in the late 90s, early 2000s. And back then at firms, the belief was just, you know, work people into the ground, more hours the better. But I'm seeing that even changing amongst colleagues who are in big firms. So it's so really good to hear that from you. Yeah. No, absolutely. No, thanks. It's um, something I very much think um, the more companies that think along that way, that really that, that DQ, that decency question, things can really change that and just communicating. How do you communicate that better? Yeah. Yeah. And that, you know, change is something that we're looking forward to and that you know, we try to promote here on the show by having guests such as yourself. Um, so we're not done yet, folks. We are on our next commercial break. So when we return, I'll be talking more with Dr. Rita Kakadi Shah. We'll talk about UMA, her company. Um, we'll talk about some of the things that our company does, engaging leadership, improving gender diversity and empowering women in the workforce. So you're listening to and watching Employment Law Today with your host, Eric Sauver, Employment Law Attorney. Our guest tonight, Dr. Rita Kakati Shah on Talk Radio NYC. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Hey, everybody. It's Tommy D, the nonprofit sector connector coming at you from my attic. 
Each week here on talkradio.nyc, I host a program, Philanthropy and Focus. Nonprofits impact us each and every day, and it's my focus to help them amplify their message and tell their story. Listen each week at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time until 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time right here on talkradio.nyc. In a post-COVID world, you may have many unanswered questions regarding your health. Are you looking to live a healthier lifestyle? Do you have a desire to learn more about mental health and enhance your quality of life? Or do you just want to participate in self-understanding and awareness? I'm Frank R. Harrison, host of Frank About Health, and each Thursday, I will tackle these questions and work to enlighten you. Tune in every Thursday at 5 p.m. on talkradio.nyc, and I will be Frank About Health to advocate for all of us. Are you a conscious co-creator? Are you on a quest to raise your vibration and your consciousness? I'm Sam Leibowitz, your Conscious Consultant, and on my show, The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, we will touch upon all these topics and more. Listen live at our new time on Thursdays at 12 noon Eastern Time. That's The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, Thursdays, 12 noon on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC at www.talkradio.nyc. Now broadcasting 24 hours a day. Welcome back to Employment Law Today. I'm your host, Eric Sauber. Our guest tonight, Dr. Rita Kakadi Shah. We're here live on Talk Radio NYC. And um, Rita, really just great conversation tonight, talking about empowering women in the workplace, talking about DEI initiatives, talking about the concept of equity and equality and about balance, work-life balance, what companies are doing correctly, what they're not doing correctly, and just the challenges that working moms face and women in the workforce face in terms of confidence, in terms of missing their children, and in terms of just ramping back up. So I, it kind of brings me full circle to the intro where I talked about you and your company. I guess my question for you is, if you could tell us a little bit more about UMA, mainly like how do you engage with leadership and improve gender diversity and female empowerment in the workplace? Great. Well, thank, thank you for asking. And it's been such a pleasure being here today with you, Eric. Sure. So thank you again. Um, so, uh, yeah, so UMA is really a strategic um, consultancy, I like to think of it, a platform that's an international platform. We don't just work in the U.S. market, headquartered in, in New York, but we have offices in L.A., um, in, in London, um, across different cities in India as well. So, and it really is that a strategic platform that to, that works with um, multinational companies, it works across academia, it works with, across policy forums as well. So it's really sort of going in there, I like to sort of think about having that initial conversation with companies about what is actually going on, like almost like a fly in the wall. I would say seven out of 10 times, um, Eric, um, when I get a call, when Uma gets a call um, about an issue, um, it quite it's quite widely, we have a DEI issue, can you do this unconscious bias training or can you do this or can you do that? And I would say seven out of 10 times, the actual root cause is something completely different. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we try to figure out where is actually the leak coming from rather than let's just stick a Band-Aid on and just give the training they're asking for. Quite often, yes, we will end up doing that at some you know, points, but you know, we want to get to the root of it first because the whole point is to come in and, and actually going back to a couple of questions ago where you mentioned just the purpose of DEI training. Our training, the whole point is to bring people together. Mm-hmm. It's not to you know, break communities apart. It's not to people to think, oh gosh, here we go again. It's really to think about, you know, at the end of the day, everybody no matter what your background is, needs to feel like this is the place they want to come to work. They're happy about it. They want to feel yeah. valued. You know, if you look at statistics, 79% of people according to Career Builder, when they leave the workforce, they've quoted, 79% have quoted it's because they don't feel valued, right? So you can dangle a, you know, a paycheck in front of them, a bonus at that point. You can even put a promotion in front of them. But at that point, the damage is done. It's too sour. If somebody, it could be something little, like you go into a manager's office, Fine, they're busy, everyone's busy, but little things like you take, you put your phone down, you stop writing and you look at somebody or you smile at someone where you say hi, that can make the difference with somebody's mm. experience and their willingness 
to feel valued in that and, and, and wanted to stay in that company. So it's just little things like that that we really, really try to practice ultimately to get out in the training we do. You know, the diversity is making sure all voices feel that, you know, the equity or equality piece, depending on the company, they both use, you know, interchangeably both definitions of either equity or equality there, um, is literally trying to kind of ascertain that balance and making sure everyone is getting to the same ultimate endpoint. Um, and then the um, inclusion piece is really about that belonging. Do they feel mm -hmm. a sense of belonging? Are you including their voice? What is their background? Yes, they may look like they're communicating in a different way, but is that perhaps cultural? Right. But that way, you know, people can communicate in different ways. You're bringing people in, but are you letting them be them or are you just trying mm -hmm. to put them in a box? So um, that's ultimately we, what we try to do with our consulting strategy and training. Mm. And then we give up the training according to what we found and um, the observations. Decency question, what we spoke about in the last segment is something that we very, very strongly adhere to and try to ensure that leadership goes towards that as well. Um, so yeah, that's sort of a, a nutshell, uh, what we like to do, um, at UMA. Yep. It's, and I love how you said, you know, you have a systemic issue that sometimes clients don't know about. They come to you with X, you know, we need mm -hmm. a training, whatnot. We need this. And you can see that they might need more than whatever they think they need. You know, it's like, I could, wow, there's so much to say on that, but I want to give you room to talk about your book for a bit. And then of course, to share with our audience, you know, uh, at the end of the show, your contact information, but tell us a bit about your book, you know, um, that you wrote and what, what it's about. Sure. Well, thank, thank if you, you don't mind sharing with us, of course. <laughs> thank you. Yeah. I mean, I actually got a picture up there. Oh, actually, there's a book up there. I've got, actually got a copy of it here. It's called The Goddess of Go-Getting, mm -hmm. Your Guide to um, Confidence, Leadership and Workplace Success. Really, the book is about, it's actually almost an extension of UMA. It is everything that UMA does and what we preach. And it's called The Goddess mm -hmm. of Forgetting because actually UMA, the name UMA and why the company was named UMA is after the Hindu goddess UMA. She happens mm -hmm. to be a mother. She's a daughter. She's a sibling. Mm -hmm. She's a wife. So in a way, she depicts all of the many roles that mm -hmm. we all have at some point in our lives. Yeah. But she's full of determination, full of confidence, and just full of just that go-getting attitude. So I call her the goddess of go-getting. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of ingredients and elements there that is about that kind of getting out there, but not being, there's a difference between feeling empowered and being entitled, which mm -hmm. companies and academic institutions talk about all the time. So the book really delves into that. It's about bringing people together in a way that, you know, talks about different viewpoints, accepting. It talks about how do you communicate with listening being the crux of how to actually communicate better. Empathy, listening, being at the root of that. Um, and we talk about, you know, this chapter on the rules of the playground, almost like going back to childhood to say, at what point do you get up yourself and rub off your scratches and move on versus mm -hmm. go tell the teacher? You know, there are different examples of just sort of, you know, mm -hmm. learning social skills. You know, if you um, have a look at, you know, which kids just get along with others, right? Mm -hmm. and, extrapolate that later on in life there are some people no matter their background they will get along with their colleagues there's no issue there and others yeah. that they can jump companies and they still don't feel that sense of belonging right so there's it takes two ways there and there's a lot of coaching and career development elements involved as well but it's yeah. it's for leadership it's for everyone it could be for students it could call the goddess or go getting so it's very much for women but it's also for leaders of all backgrounds as well yeah, you know, I can see how like those, you know, concepts and principles that you're talking about can apply not just to women and not just to working moms or women in the workforce, but as you mentioned, you know, to young people starting out, right? You know, to people, let's say, you know, in the minority, um, you know, the class of people who are um, coming back to the workforce or whatever the case may be, all those, you know, issues, the idea of, you know, just of the ambition of empowerment and how that differs in entitlement and then the decency quotient being thrown in, you know, active listening, all great stuff, you know, really, I think, um, and, and the name of your book is the, the, the Goddess of Go-Getting, right? So, um, go ahead. And yeah. actually to your point, Eric, when we talk about minorities, I like to, I, I start off by redefining what I mean by minority as well, because to your point, yeah. this book is for everyone. So right. everybody at some point has been in a minority situation. You could be a vegetarian and you walk mm -hmm. into a barbecue and just somebody's forgotten to put any veggies out. Or you could be that pregnant woman and you walked into an office party and someone just forgot to put water out or some soft drinks. Mm. Or, you know, you could be um, somebody that's not overly religious and you walk into someone that's, you know, you're going into an orthodox function. So mm. at some point, everybody at some point in life has felt that sort of out of place feeling. So because mm. of that, this does speak to everyone. And in that sense, they've all been a minority and know what that feels like. 
So because of that, it's about when you are in that situation for that moment, mm -hmm. you are the one that now has to think, okay, well, I'm in that position. How do I now kind of fit in rather than expect everyone to kind of come to me? So there's a, it's a mixture. It's almost like, it's almost like taking chess principles and game principles and school principles and yeah. office politics and everything all in one about how do you together come together. So got yeah. it got it that's you know it's excellent uh to know Rita, to think about it that way we've got about a minute and a half left i want to give you a minute to talk about you know how we can find you your website your contact information got a minute the floor is yours perfect well thank you so i have my personal website which is ritakakatishah.com my uma website is bebold.com that's b-e-b-o-l-d-b-e-u-m-a.com mm -hmm. um, and you can find me across all social media platforms so personally i'm at rita kakati shah instagram facebook uh twitter um linkedin and on um uma we're at at bebold be uma and that's us great and for those listening on the air not, who may not be watching rita kakati shah that's rita r-i-t-a Kakati is K-A-K-A-T-I hyphen Shah, S-H-A-H. So we're down to the wrapping up part of the show. And once again, I want to thank you so much. Um, Rita, thank you for being on the show tonight. A pleasure having you on. A pleasure discussing this topic with you. Likewise. Thank you so much for having me, Eric. You're welcome. And for those listening tonight, if you've enjoyed our show, um, you know, if you like what you hear every week, tell your friends, tell your colleagues, tell your clients to tune in to Employment Law Today here on Talk Radio NYC, Tuesday nights from 5 p.m. to 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. I'm your host, Eric Sauver, an employment law and business law attorney out in New York. And our guest tonight, Dr. Rita Kakati Shah of UMA. So wishing everyone out there a wonderful, happy uh, week, a good evening, good holiday season. We'll be back next week. And Rita, thank you again so much. Thank you so much. Take care. business owner? Do you want to be a business owner? Do you work with business owners? Hi, I'm Stephen Fry, your small and medium-sized business or SMB guy, and I'm the host of the new show, Always Friday. While I love to have fun on my show, we take those Friday feelings of freedom and clarity to discuss popular topics on the minds of SMBs today. Please join me and my various special guests on Friday at 11 a.m. on talkradio.nyc. On edge? Hey, we live in challenging, edgy times, so let's lean in. I'm Sandra Bargeman, the host of The Edge of Every Day, which airs each Monday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time on talkradio.nyc. Tune in live with me and my friends and colleagues as we share stories and perspectives about pushing boundaries and exploring our rough edges. That's The Edge of Every Day on Mondays at 7 p.m. Eastern Time on talkradio.nyc. Are you a small business trying to navigate the COVID-19 related employment laws? Hello, I'm Eric Sauver, employment law business law attorney and host of the new radio show, Employment Law Today. On my show, we'll have guests to discuss the common employment law challenges business owners are facing during these trying times. Tune in on Tuesday evenings from 5 p.m. to 6 p.m. Eastern time on talkradio.nyc. COVID world, you may have many unanswered questions regarding your health. Are you looking to live a healthier lifestyle? Do you have a desire to learn more about mental health and enhance your quality of life? Or do you just want to participate in self-understanding and awareness? I'm Frank R. Harrison, host of Frank About Health, and each Thursday, I will tackle these questions and work to enlighten you. Tune in every Thursday at 5 p.m. on talkradio.nyc, and I will be Frank About Health to advocate for all of us. about the conversation around racism, 
Hi, I'm Reverend Dr. TLC, host of the Dismantle Racism Show, which airs every Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern on talkradio.nyc. Join me and my amazing guests as we discuss ways to uncover, dismantle, and eradicate racism. That's Thursdays at 11 o'clock a.m. on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC. Uplift, educate, empower. 